Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. This is the post-game podcast for the Wolves win over the Hornets on Saturday. We'll break down what the Wolves did really well offensively in a game completely driven by the Timberwolves' three big men with no Anthony Edwards once again. It was all about the offense. The defense has some rough moments until Rudy Gobert closed the door once again late. We're going to break down the whole game here on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. The Wolves won on Saturday night, Saturday late afternoon, Central Time. They beat the Charlotte Hornets once again with no Anthony Edwards. Of course, still no Jaden McDaniels. Uh, still a satisfying win. over. It was one of the, Even though it was over one of the league's worst teams without their best player, no LaBello Ball. Uh, I'll break down why I thought it was so satisfying and also what was so impressive about the Wolves' offense. And, you know, the defense that mattered most late in a close game. Once again, some star, superstar level plays from Rudy Gobert. We'll break all that down in the show here today. First of all, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Ro- uh, excuse me on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, which you can find on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow the show on X at Lockdown T Wolves, and also my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, so setting the stage for this one, of course, Charlotte came in 6-11, and 11, no LaMelo Ball, and, uh, you know, so a little bit shorthanded the Wolves, no Anthony Edwards, no Jaden McDaniels, a bit shorthanded themselves coming off of the win Thursday with no Ant and no McDaniels, and, you know, Edwards was listed as doubtful coming in. In fact, Rudy Gobert was added to the injury report earlier on Saturday with hip soreness, was actually questionable for the game, and uh, played through it. Turns out he played really well, and on its face... This is another one of those games. We can add it to the long list. You can go down, you know, the Wolves schedule. This isn't fun, so I'm not going to actually do it. But you go down the schedule so far this season and say like, oh, okay, they've, you know, how many games have they won that last year we'd point to this team and say they definitely wouldn't have won these games. I'm about ready to stop bringing that up because clearly this team is just really good. And last year it was a much bigger deal because it was a pretty good team that was just kicking away games that should have been wins. Most of them should have been wins, right? Like what was their record against the worst four teams in the league? It was something like four and eight or something crazy like that. Um, And, you know, we got to the end of the season and said, oh, flip that. And they're like the five seed in the West, right? Well, this year, like they're just really good. Like, yeah, they lost to Atlanta and they lost to Toronto. But since then, like it's perfectly acceptable to lose on the second night of a road back to back against Phoenix. It's acceptable to lose to the Kings at home. Um, like that, that's okay. That happens. You know, it's the NBA, right? But they didn't lose. You know, that game to New Orleans that they could have kicked away. The game to the Spurs a few weeks ago. The um, you know the 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 uh, Utah game Thursday that was a little closer than it should have been. This game against Charlotte. We could go on down the list. There's several of them so far this season, and this fits into that category in the sense that. Last year, they probably lose. And on the one hand, it's like, yeah, they should win by more. I mean, LaMelo is missing, and Charlotte's not good. It's the league's worst defense. Um, But on the flip side, given the flow of the game, 
and given who wasn't available for Minnesota, it still showed this team has metal, right? They have um, the it factor at the end of games where they just seem comfortable and confident that like, hey, we're going to win. And it's not quite like last year, you know, middle of games like this, it would be like, okay, this team thinks they can get down 10, 15, 18 points and, you know, still come back and win at the end because they're just more talented. It doesn't necessarily feel that way this year. There's, you know, because they're opening most of these games with a sense of urgency anyway. Like the Wolves got up big. It was like 10 nothing to start the game. Um, it just kind of felt early like, okay, they're locked in. That kind of went away. Like late first quarter, mid-late first quarter, and through the middle stretches of the game, the Wolves just kind of were there. They were present. They were good enough to maintain a very, you know, a lead that never got greater than 12. It hovered around 10 for a while. Um, in fact, you take the second and third quarter, so the middle the middle half of the game, if you will, the second and third quarters together, the Wolves actually got outscored by six points by Charlotte over the second and third quarters. Um, and it was just kind of like, it never felt like it was getting out of their control. It just it just never, it was just, just like this weird, okay, so Charlotte's playing tough. You know, they're, you know, the Wolves are missing McDaniels, so the perimeter defense is a little shoddy. They're... They're missing ants like, you know, Rudy's a bit sore. It just never really felt like the defense provided enough resistance. And then late in the game, they were able to turn it up on that end of the floor. Uh, for the game, as I mentioned, the Wolves never led by more than 12. They never trailed by more than one. In fact, I don't think they trailed at all in the first half. They never trailed by more than a single point until late in the third quarter. And they never trailed by more than four in the game. So it never got completely away from them in, in the sense where they were down by, you know, more than two possessions. Um, and there were also just a lot of weird things that happened in this game. Like uh, the officiating was not good, um, yeah, really, for on either side of the floor. We'll get to what happened at the end with the Terry Rozier uh, uh, free throws on the corner three weird call and, and how the Wolves overcame that. But like, for instance, P.J. Washington came into the game shooting 30%, 30.9% from three. He goes four of seven from three. Uh, the Hornets as a team shoot what they shoot? 48% on three-point attempts. And they're, they were a fine three-point shooting team coming into the game, but like no LaMelo Ball, like you had Brandon Miller making two of four. You had Mikel Bridges, excuse me, Miles Bridges going two of five. You had Terry Regier going three of seven from three. Washington going four of seven. Everyone that attempted a three for the Hornets um, shot at least 40% for the field, which is a weird way to say that, but like that's how you get to a 48% shooting as a team from outside the arc. So 12 made threes for Charlotte in this game, which by the way, the Wolves somewhat overcame that by volume shooting threes themselves, which has been an issue this year. The Wolves haven't shot enough threes in general. They were 11 of 31, so Charlotte only made one more three than the Wolves in this game. And that's one area where just simple volume is going to help, right? The more threes you shoot, the better shape you're in, in general, right? That's that's obviously a pretty gross generalization, but it's true. Um, so all that to say, uh, like this was a game throughout, it just kind of felt like this is some sort of a regression to the mean in terms of the Wolves, uh, you know, opponent three point percentage or, you know, opponent effective field goal percentage because Charlotte was just making tough shots. They made more threes than you'd expect. They shot 90% from the line, 48% from three, 48% from the field overall. And Charlotte was a pretty middle of the pack offensive team coming in again, no LaMelo ball. And the Wolves half court defense was actually decent in this game. And I, I know I just listed those percentages and Charlotte scored 117 points, but the issues were, were more in transition. The Wolves are actually outscored in this game 20 to nothing in fast break points. And this is a topic for later in the week, at least in terms of the Wolves fast break offense. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks on the show. The Wolves have to run more. They just have to run more when they generate turnovers from the other team. Now, Charlotte only turned it over eight times in this game. And so there were less opportunities to do that for the Wolves here. But you can't score zero fast break points in a game and expect to win very often. 
and then also on the flip side, give up 20 fast break points. It was definitely a, a you know, like horror, horror flashbacks to, to last year Wolves transition defense. It was subpar to say the least. Getting outscored 20 nothing in fast break points is not great. Charlotte came into the game 12th in pace. The Wolves are only night or they finished actually after the game. They're now 12th in pace. The Wolves are 19th in pace. So that's a topic I want to cover later in the week in terms of the Wolves offensively, what they need to figure out and, and running more off opponent turnovers after they generate turnovers and even running after makes at times. Um, but that was the bigger issue in terms of the Wolves defense in this game. And it led to some corner th- to some open threes. They gave up a couple of corner threes when they tried playing a zone late in the game. That's been an issue, um, which like they tried. Well, I'll get into that later. I want to talk about the three big lineup for the Wolves in the fourth quarter that they ran out there with with Nas, Cat, and Rudy all on the floor at the same time. But um, the half court defense was OK. Like it wasn't great. The perimeter defense was a bit you know shoddy, but you have two of your three best perimeter defenders or arguably your two best perimeter defenders in Ant. Excuse, yeah, Anton McDaniel's out. That's going to show up, right? And and Charlotte beat the Wolves on dribble penetration, straight line drives, and Rudy bailed them out time and time again in this game to at least keep them close. And yeah, you look up, they gave up 117, but late in the game, as we'll talk about, the defense did what it needed to do. So I want to talk about a couple of additional key takeaways. The Rudy uh, defense at the end, the offense, the three bigs were phenomenal. Talk about Carlton Towns fourth quarter. We'll talk about the three big lineup late in the game in general, and then we'll get to individual studs and duds. And that is all what we're going to do here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we just talk for a minute? about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is genuinely scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if, uh, I don't know, like a loved one of yours or or mine, or if my kids got sick or something like that, if, well, a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they need. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. I signed up for Jace Medical a few weeks ago, and it's awesome to have that kind of security blanket, knowing that I have Jace Medical. As we go into the winter travel season as well, um, it definitely makes me feel much more comfortable. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. I can attest to that. I did it, like I said, a few weeks ago. It was very easy to do and I've got my Jace case. It's never been more important to be prepared than it is right now. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right there on your screen. jacemedical.com, offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, some additional key takeaways from Wolves Hornets on Saturday. Let's talk about the end of the game because I kind of got got us there here in terms of game flow. So the Wolves had fallen behind in the fourth quarter and uh, you know we're down by as many as four and eventually we're able to build this lead, lead back up. I thought Chris Finch did a great job with rotations, by the way, late in this game and pushing the right buttons. So Wolves are up six with about two minutes to play. And um, Nikhil Alexander Walker gets called for a shooting or sorry, no, it was Troy Brown Jr. got called for a shooting foul on Terry Rozier in the right corner. And he had the high five contact on the on the um, 
on the follow through of the of the shot. Of course, Rozier misses the shot. They call the foul. High five contact in the follow through, which is legal. It's not a foul. Um, and then there was some very very slight contact down below on the feet and legs kind of got tangled, but there's a clear kick out from his year. Uh, Brown Jr. Straight up and down. They review it for like the longest review. I'm pretty sure that I've ever seen. It was like a solid five minutes of real time. Um, and they end up deciding there's not enough evidence to overturn the call of a foul on the floor, which is not the right call. But anyway, Rashir makes all three free throws. It's a three point game with the minute 40 left and the wolves come down have kind of a clunky possession. Cat misses uh, a, a, a tough jumper, and it was a, a disappointing possession given the fact that review took so long. It was like a mega timeout. The Wolves could have drawn something a little bit better up. They end up not getting a good shot. The Hornets come down with a chance to tie. It's a three-point game, one minute to play, and Nick Richards gets into the paint, puts up a, a, a I don't know, I, I don't know what he was thinking, a, a bad shot from the middle of the paint, and Gobert just stuffs it completely. Wolves get the ball, come down, and uh, Conley gets an and one um, drives to the drives into the paint uh, really just to the left of the paint takes contact. It really kind of initiates contact, makes the jumper. Uh, well, really more of a floater banked it in and then makes the free throw to put the wolves up by six with 44 seconds to play that go bear defensive play. Once again, like what he did the other night um, in the wolves last win against Utah, when he had those multiple possessions and actually the thunder, like every game this week, Rudy's been making, you know, these multiple effort possessions where he's stopping the opponent almost single-handedly. And that's not to take away from what the rest of the team is doing, but these are moments where it's just Rudy on an island against somebody in the paint. You know, earlier in the week it was guards driving in on him. In this case it was Nick Richards and um just snuffing the shot out. It was just an incredible block by by Rudy Gobert once again. And the Wolves then come down, Conley does what Conley does, and the Wolves are up 6. Then Conley makes a couple more free throws to put it out of reach after he's fouled uh, on the take foul, and it becomes an eight-point game. Wolves ultimately win by six. So um, another fantastic defensive stand by Rudy Gobert. Just prior to that sequence, though, the Wolves were, um, throughout the game, the the backcourt wasn't doing a whole lot for Minnesota. Uh, Like, when it was all said and done, I mean, like, Troy Brown was fine. He's not going to score you a ton of points. Conley wasn't super active offensively. Nikhil Alexander-Walker... Again, struggled a little bit at moments and, and didn't make any threes in this game. It was really up to Gobert, Towns, and Nas Reed. And we'll talk more about all three of those guys here basically from this point forward in the show. And so Chris Finch, sure enough, said like, hey, my best chance to win this game is by going with the three guys who have played the best. It seems logical, but not very many teams are going to put three centers on the floor at once. And by that, I mean no other teams are going to do that. So Chris Finch decides to put Gobert back in the game with eight minutes to play. And you've got Nas and Cat already on the floor. Wolves are down by three. They come down immediately score. And there's like this back and forth where each team is scoring. And, and basically the, the, this lineup played for about three minutes before Nas left in favor of Kyle Anderson. And so when Nas left the game, it, it was a four point game. So technically, not technically, that three man lineup was a minus one in this game. But offensively, it was very effective. Um, Cat made a couple of threes, which obviously helps. Uh, I guess he made one three and, and um, you know, both Cat and Rudy scored in the paint. And, you know, Rudy got to the line with that lineup defensively. They tried playing a zone and it ended up they gave up a, a corner three by you know, who made that three. Um, it was like right before they decided to make the change. Somebody made a corner three for Charlotte. The Wolves, I think it was P.J. Washington. The Wolves had decided to go to a zone and they gave up uh, they gave up an open corner three. And that's what we saw the other night when the Wolves went to zone. And that's, uh, of course, the, the softest spot in the zone is is right at the nail, right at the free throw line, and then also the corners. And when you have bigs on the floor, it's a challenge for them to get all the way to the corner and contest um, and, and really recover. But 
you know, that's something the Wolves can continue to work on. I don't think they don't usually go to zone with Rudy on the floor. It's typically when Cat or Nas is at the five. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily a lineup they're going to, or a, a decision they're going to make defensively a ton moving forward. But in this case, it didn't work super well. The, the three big lineup, there's something there, right? Depending on the opponent. And Charlotte had a really small lineup out there anyway. I think the Wolves just kind of decided, hey, we can just brute strength them to death. And we also have just as much actual talent, well, more actual talent. But even though, you know, you're not putting like, three Al Jeffersons out there, right? Al's great. You can't play three Al Jeffersons together, right? These are three bigs that can, that are mobile, that can, you know, two of the three of them can shoot from the outside. They're all mobile defensively. Like you could, that's, that's why in theory this works. And so Finch looked at this lineup and said, okay, even though they're going small, we'll just go big. These guys have more talent and size, et cetera. And, and we can win this. Um, so I think it's going to be obviously very matchup dependent moving forward. You know, seeing how often Chris Finch goes to this this multiple big, this three, not just multiple big, three center lineup, really. Um, so TBD, but I thought it was, I liked that he did it. This this game made a, set, a ton of sense to do it, uh, to do it in. And even though they were minus one in three, four minutes, I didn't have a problem with it. Like they scored well enough offensively. And if the perimeter defense had been a bit stronger, um, and, and I mean, that's part of the, the issue with the three big lineup, right? But if the perimeter defense had been a little bit stronger, I think it would have been, you know, we would have looked at this as much more successful. But in general, I was good with that decision. I thought it worked well enough, and I'd like to see more of it here moving forward. And and maybe it makes sense against a team like San Antonio that plays super big. It's also a team the Wolves should beat. They play them next week on Wednesday. And we'll preview the matchup later in this week, but they're basically playing Jeremy Sohan at point guard and obviously Wimbanyama. Like this is a that's a team the Wolves could just go big against and kind of see what happens and and no matter what it's a game they should win, right? With the way San Antonio has been playing. And I get that it's dangerous to kind of, to say that, but like, it's true, right? And it wouldn't shock me, by the way, this is a topic we'll cover later in the week, but does Anthony Edwards rest again? Do they get him a full 10 days of rest before he plays at the end of next week? Maybe. I mean, that's a very winnable game at home against San Antonio is, is, you know, more winnable than a game on the road at Charlotte, right? So be interesting to see how, how they handle that here uh, later in the week. But anyway, um, all right, let's do individual studs and duds, and then we'll also talk about, um, just take a peek at the upcoming schedule and some of those things here next, and that's how we'll close out the show. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. There's tons of NFL action uh, still ongoing tonight, Monday Night Football. I believe it's a good game Monday night. And then later in the week, of course, Thursday Night Football, you've got the NBA in-season tournament all week this week. Uh, so games tonight on Monday... You've also got games Tuesday, the the quarterfinals, I guess. And then you get all the games in Vegas, the semis later this week, and then all the extra games that were added on Wednesday and I think Saturday uh, for other teams. So, or Wednesday and Friday, I guess. So plenty of NBA action, of course, as always, college basketball well underway. Uh, I don't, I think there's not really any college football this week, but there's plenty of action to get in on FanDuel and the app is extremely easy to use. A wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's close this thing out by talking individual studs and duds. And uh, I mean, it's 
the three bigs led the way for Minnesota, right? We talked about it. I haven't talked a lot specifically about Cat. We'll get to him in a second. Let's start with Rudy Gobert, though. 26 and 12 plus three blocks in this game for Rudy. 10 of 12 shooting. He was six of nine at the free throw line. He continues to improve that overall three, uh, excuse me, free throw, not three point, free throw shooting percentage this season. Team high, 39 minutes. Nobody else played more than 34 for Minnesota. And Rudy, just like, he was the best player on the floor in this game. I mean, once again, his impact is uh, is is unassailable. Like, you can't, it's in jazz, you know, jazz fans who watch Rudy for so many years can attest to all of this, right? This is this is what the the most impactful defensive player in the entire league, this is what he does to a game. And like it's not the same thing as a perimeter defender, just absolute lockdown perimeter defender like a Jaden McDaniels, right? It's just a a it, it's a similar impact, but in a completely different way. And and that's the whole defensive player of the year argument. And and you know the the Draymond versus Rudy versus you know other guys who have won defensive player of the year here recently argument. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. last year, right? Uh, but Rudy's impact on the game is is really unmatched on the defensive end of the floor, and and it's been exactly that this season. And he was fine last year; like he was good defensively. I don't think anybody would argue he wasn't, but he wasn't the sort of generational type impact he can make defensively, like he did in this game. And also, just be efficient on the offensive side. I talked, you know, a few shows ago about how his you know field goal percentage is which is such a goofy stat for centers in general but like it was much lower it was it was such an outlier in terms of what he'd done for his career and the wolves had had some weird lobs to him and you know tried tried to tap in some balls that like weren't perfect lobs they've gotten so much better we saw a couple of really highlight reel worthy cat lobs to Rudy in this game um you know Conley as always like just just smart plays from the wolves guards and also cat in terms of passing the ball to Rudy and good jobs, uh, multiple good efforts by Rudy. There were a couple that he came, caught and came down with before going back up to score instead of trying to finish it on, on the alley-oop pass to come down with it, take a beat, go back up and score it. Uh, just another really good game for Rudy. Carl Anthony Towns was huge. Um, in a game where the Wolves scuffled offensively for stretches. Yeah, I know they scored 123 and shot over 51% for the field, but the offense, it was only the bigs. Like it was just, not great otherwise. Conley was one of seven shooting threes. Uh, Shake Milton missed both of his threes. The team shot under 36% as a team from deep. Cat was four of eight on threes, had 28 points on 23 shots for the game. By the way, did not attempt a single free throw despite attempting 15 two-point shots in this game. Now, I don't actually think Cat got fouled a ton and it wasn't called necessarily. It's more just strange that the team shot 30 free throws and the guy who attempted by far the most field goals on the team didn't attempt a single one in Carl Anthony Towns. Cat and Troy Brown Jr. were the only players on the Wolves who played and did not shoot a free throw in this game. Very weird. A game that was marred by tons of foul calls. And Cat only had had zero free throw attempts on 23 field goal attempts. And he shot eight threes, but he shot 15 two-point shots and it wasn't a steady diet of mid-rangers. There were a couple... Um, but it's just a weird, a weird thing. 28 points, seven rebounds, including three offensive rebounds, five assists, three turnovers for cat. He was a plus 12 in this game. Um, just a really good game. He had a couple of threes in the fourth quarter that really kind of really, I think he scored 10 points overall in the fourth quarter and he was the Wolves offense late. And without him, you know, with no ant, it had to be cat. If somebody was going to score in crunch time, if somebody was going to get sets ran designed to get them the ball, if somebody was going to generate something out of nothing with no Anthony Edwards, it had to be Carl Anthony Towns. And he stepped up once again, the second straight game he's done that. Um, and, and it really good to see. And it's it's one of the 
obvious reasons why you need multiple stars to be a, a you know a one seed caliber team, a true championship contender, which obviously the Wolves are at this point. Um, and Carlton Towns is has been professional this whole time, even though it's slowly turning into Ant's team, not really slowly anymore. Cat is still an all NBA player, and he was phenomenal in this game. Third star, you could go with Mike Conley because of his play late and another sparkling assist turnover ratio, but I'm going to go Nas Reed. 23 points for Nas in 25 minutes, 9 of 14 shooting, 3 of 6 on threes, added 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal in this game. And he provided a punch off the bench, especially middle of the game when the Wolves had nothing going offensively. I know they scored 123 points, but again, it was Nas, it was Rudy, it was Cat. They combined for, what, uh, 77 points, I think, in this game, if I did my quick math right. seventy, Yeah, 77 points. Um, so, like, they needed what Nas gave them. And he is just like, P.J. Washington could not stay in front of him. He was turning corners left and right, getting into the getting into the lane. And when teams leave him open outside the three-point line, Nas has shot the ball lights out this year. That three-point shot, even though he could shoot it, from the time he was signed as an undrafted rookie out of LSU, he could shoot a three in that first summer league, and we could see it. That three-point shot has gotten better and better and better and better and better. For the longest time, I, I complained about Nas supposed to be you know, the the idea behind him being you know sixty-five percent of what Cat is, and, and a a poor you know a poor person's kind of facsimile of Carl Anthony Towns. But like the the three-point shot, it's not quite to where Cat's is, but it's solid now. It's a legit solid three-point shot, and he was a a big part of what this team was able to do offensively and really saved the Wolves offenses offense for stretches in this game was good enough that he forced Chris Finch's hand to have him on the floor middle of the fourth quarter trailing by a possession along with two other centers. And that says a lot about his game. Quick shout out to Mike Conley for 10 assists and one turnover. I mean, just again, impeccable for Mike Conley, uh, another impeccable performance. Yeah. The shooting, you know, we, I think should have expected some regression when he was shooting almost 50% on threes and he's had a couple of rough shooting nights in the last week to 10 days. So not a shock, but hey, we'll take 14 and 10 and five boards out of Mike Conley any night of the week. Seven of eight at the line, got to the line a bunch in this game quite a bit late. Uh, a couple of those take fouls late in the game too, but a good game for Mike Conley. I, you know, once again, I don't have any duds. Like again, Shake Milton left something to be desired, but he had hit a couple of tough shots too. Um, you know, missed a layup in transition. It would have been nice to have, but I thought in general played okay. Alexander Walker was a bit quiet. I guess if I had to pick a stud, I would go Alexander Walker, or excuse me, a dud. Um, like the defense was a bit, a bit spotty from him in this game when you needed him to step up a little bit, but like he's been asked to do a ton. He was so good Thursday after a tough game Tuesday against Oklahoma City, right? So being asked to to be in the position he's in and, and do what he's being asked to do is, is not easy. And uh, in general, I think that he's... Uh, He's been very good since McDaniels went out. This just wasn't his best game, and that's not a big deal. Troy Brown, again, good job in the starting lineup, filling in where he needs to fill in, did what he needs to do, knocked down three threes, including a big one that kind of got lost in the Rudy defense cat offense shuffle. Was Rudy's, it was a deep three from the right wing, right slot, just, I don't know, probably close to a 30 footer, drained it in a big moment, you know, close game, Wolves trailing, and, uh, Actually, I think it was they were ahead when he hit it, and it helped expand that lead. So big moment for TBJ. I'm going to quick throw up the uh, some of the box score stats here if you're watching on YouTube and take a quick peek at those. Um, as mentioned earlier, the uh, the Wolves shot over 51% for the field. Charlotte shot 48 48% uh, plus, and you know that's that's not an ideal mark, but in general, the Wolves have done a much better job. Or I should say, really, this was a this was another example of a game that the Wolves didn't 
do their best defensively. Like it just wasn't as good as as obviously the Utah game, the OKC game the other night, Sands McDaniels, the Memphis game. But like they still managed to win. There's been a few of those this year. Like you think of the Pelicans game at New Orleans, uh, what about two weeks ago or so? That's another one where the defense wasn't quite uh, the San Antonio game a month ago now, almost um, or three weeks ago, I guess. Those are a couple of games. The Wolves, the defense, the effective field goal percentage that the other team had was over fifty percent. Um, the team shot close to fifty percent overall from the floor, but the Wolves still managed to win. The ones where they were complete debacles, Sacramento, Phoenix, uh, Atlanta early in the season, those obviously were losses. But some of these other games, the Wolves have done just enough and found enough offense that it didn't matter as much. Um, and, and that's that's what happened here. Minnesota only, you know, 11 turnovers. They've been a little better recently there. They only turned Charlotte over eight times, which was part of the reason they had zero fast break points Minnesota did in this game. They were a, a plus five on the glass and did a pretty good job not fouling Um especially late in this game. And, you know, Charlotte still ended up shooting, what, 19 free throws in this game. But uh, Minnesota did an okay job not getting, you know, too caught up in in, in foul trouble in this game. And obviously that's been a, a challenge at times for the Wolves again this year. But uh, something I want to touch on here later in the week is we'll, we'll get to this. I mean, we've got the Wolves don't play again until Wednesday night because of the, those extra games added. I want to talk again about free throw rate, how the Wolves have gotten better there defensively recently, uh, the defensive rebounding concerns, because I still have those, but also how they've overcome some of that here too. So those are things we'll do here later in the week. Um, and also kind of unpacking some additional lineup data, you know, what, what matchups might call for certain lineups. So we'll get into that later in the week. Um, in terms of upcoming games, the Wolves have San Antonio in that game that was added on Wednesday night. That's a home game. By the way, it's a 630 tip and it's on ESPN on Wednesday night against Wimbanyama and the Spurs. San Antonio has been a disaster lately. We'll preview that on Wednesday's show. So a lot of what I just mentioned we'll do on Tuesday. The other game that was added was at Memphis. So the Wolves were just there a week ago. They played them again on Friday night. So two very winnable games against the two worst teams in the Western Conference um, here upcoming this week. And then at New Orleans, once again, at Dallas, which is a bit tougher. Dallas is playing better recently. That crazy game against OKC on Saturday where they were down by a billion points, scored 30 straight, and then still ended up losing. Um, and then you get the Pacers, you get Miami, you get Philly, it gets tougher again. And then Lakers, Kings, Thunder. I mean, that's a tough stretch. The Wolves have to continue to make hay against teams they should beat. That's the Spurs. That's the Grizzlies. It really is the Pelicans. It's the Pacers. Um, you know, Dallas and Miami are obviously winnable games. They should, they should, likely will be favored in. Uh, but then at Philadelphia, Lakers, Kings, Thunder, Dallas again, Lakers again. That's a really tough stretch, right? Leading into and around Christmas. So bank as many wins as you can. Hopefully Ant comes back later this week. Hopefully McDaniels is back by that time that tough stretch starts here in about a week. Um, but like right now, enjoy it, right? Enjoy the Wolves being 15 and four, tied for the best record in the NBA, the third best point differential in the entire NBA. And by the way, they've beaten those other two teams, Boston and Oklahoma City. So, I, like, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And and here's hoping for a couple more wins this week as the schedule is still favorable for the near future. We'll break all that down on Tuesday. We'll break down the Spurs matchup Wednesday. It's all upcoming throughout the week here on the show. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that Lockdown has... 
the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.